Today we are continuing our journey through Mark and um, we're going to be in here for a little bit and as I said last week, Mark is sort of this uh, taffy twister, you know, making the taffy and twists us and pulls us and, and, and asks things of us that we don't want to be asked and pushes us in directions that we don't want to be pushed. But, you know, hey, this is scripture and this is Jesus and hey, we need to be changed. And so Mark sets out to do that, to change us, to change the world by changing us. As I was reading the scripture this week, I, um, you know, all weeks we have our experiences that come into this idea of a sermon. And I had this experience this week I want to tell you about. I, I am an adventurer, so to speak, in my mind at least. Um, I love to think about new things, to journey theologically into new places. I um, imagine that I, I, well, I like to think of myself as a theological explorer, so to speak, like a, uh, let's set out on the waves and see what happens. Like, we're not going to disprove God here. God's fine. We don't, we don't need to prove or disprove God, but let's explore what life is about. Let's explore the beauty of humanity. And I would, um, I would totally, like if I could um, be a space traveler and go to Mars and there was a return flight, I would do it. Totally. I'd do it. I'd be like, sign me up. And no, it's like a three-year gig or a five-year gig. I am there. Um, just get me back, all right? I'm not, you know, they're like, they're like taking their bookings for Mars, I think. And you can, you can book up. You can like sign up, but there's no return flight. I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, no, I like pizza a little bit too much. So I want to come back. <laughs> Send me back home. Um, so, but I, I would love that sort of Adventure. So this past week, a friend um, told me, they had this experience, and they told me about this experience that they had uh, about going to a hypnotist. So I decided that I would go to the hypnotist too. And this friend, who we won't name, whose name is Andrea, she went and... She had this whole experience that she was telling me about, it, and I was like, wow, that seems pretty cool, and I would like to try that. And so the, the reason was that the, the ultimate thing was called past life regression, basically. And like, if, if you're going to lose your faith in me right now, that's totally fine. I get it. Um, as, as the old evangelical revivalist used to say, put your faith in Jesus, friends, not the preacher. And so um, put your faith in Jesus and not the preacher. So I went to explore, like, hey, you know what? I'd like to explore this. I'm probably good. It's probably made up, but you know what? It sounds fun and interesting. So there I went. Um, I actually had to go twice because the first time didn't work. And he was like, this is not working. I don't know what's going on. And so, like, sign up again and um, come back in a month. And so I did. I came back. And so this time I was a little more relaxed. And I went. And it was, the idea was basically to explore if you had a past life or not, which, you know, I mean, I I don't, I don't know if I believe that or not. I'm probably just making up stuff in my mind. But anyway, before you got to that part, I, there was this part of trying to like relax you and get into your memories. And, and he was talking about telling me memories of a childhood. And I was saying some memories and it was about my mom and uh, about my sister. And, and then he, he asked like, well, remember the time that you were in the womb, which is totally weird. Like, how can you remember that you were in the womb? And, and I was like, this is stupid, but fine, I'll go along with it. Who's going to remember that they're in the womb? And um, so I'm sitting there in this recliner chair, and I have this feeling, which if you know me, you know I don't really have feelings, and I don't like feelings. And so when I have a feeling, it's like, let's move along here. I'm feeling, go away, let's do some work um, or eat something. Feelings bad <laughs> work good <laughs> i'm like a caveman but anyway i'm having this i'm having this feeling of of in in the womb 
and I don't remember anything, but there's this feeling, and I feel this overwhelming sense of being wanted, okay? So, like, I'm like, I'm sharing something here with y'all. So, um, let's have a moment of deep vulnerability. I feel, I felt, like, deeply wanted and loved by my mother. Like, she wanted me. She loved me. I felt safe in this space. And I'm sitting in this recliner, and I'm crying. And I don't even know what's going on because I don't ever cried. I cried last time in 1994 when I fell and I cried. I haven't cried since then. I'm sitting here in this chair and I'm crying because I feel this overwhelming sense of being wanted, of being loved, of being a child and being protected and with your mother. So anyway, we went on. I, you know, I saw some other stuff. I was probably just making it up, but I saw some other stuff and whatever. But that was the experience that I left with of this deep sense that I was safe. I was wanted. I was loved. And I, and I, I walk away from that this week, and I was like, wow, you know, what if we felt like that all the time? Like, what if we walked around life feeling wanted, and safe and loved, like deeply loved. Wow. I think that would be a lot more beautiful world. I think that we would love ourselves more, that we would love each other more, that we would interact in the world together. But this world has a way, right? Of like, I imagine this world is in the sense of like when we're born, we have our skin, you know, but like we have this metaphorical other skin that's put on us. And this other skin is made of Velcro. Just go with me, okay? Imagine this. Um, this other skin is made of Velcro. It's like Velcro skin. And then like we pick up all this stuff on us and it just sticks to us everywhere. And then we get to our life, you know, halfway through our life or all the way through our life. And like we don't even know who we are anymore because all we have is stuff that's stuck on us from the journey. Shame and pain and hurt and betrayal and sin and death and we're just like all over us. We don't even know who we are anymore. Maybe life is not discovering who we really are. Maybe life is not becoming more. Maybe life is about becoming less. Maybe the journey of life is really meant to be lived by letting go of things that are not our truest selves. Letting go of the things that have stuck on us that are causing us such pain and such hurt. Maybe life truly, the life of Jesus, the life of God, is about allowing those things to fall off or or allowing someone else to take them off so that we can discover who we truly are in our truest selves, that loved, safe child in many ways. The scripture today kind of fits into all of this, maybe, um, or I just fit it all in. You know, that's what we do. That's our job. Mark 2 goes like this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even the outside of the, outside of the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carrying the, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him because Jesus became, had such a crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat that the man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? I made up this voice, okay? Uh, he, he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of God for us and all the people of God. Can you imagine this scene here? Jesus is teaching. I don't know where he's teaching. I guess it's uh, probably some kind of communal space because houses weren't very big. And so maybe it was a house, but it wasn't very big. And he said, there's large numbers. And here Jesus is in town. And they had heard that this new upstart, maybe Messiah, was teaching and preaching. And, and the people had their hopes that maybe this was the one who would deliver them. The one that would deliver them from the occupation of the Romans the one that would reestablish Israel to what they believed was its true place in the world as enthroned in power. Was this the one? Was this the one? And so here they are. They've come to listen to this Jesus who maybe they hadn't heard, maybe they hadn't heard before teach. And they're amazed. And the audacity of this group of guys, this group of people, who maybe they had a friend, maybe this was a family member who was paralyzed. Now, now, now we don't know why this paralyzedness came to be. Was it something? Was there an accident? We don't know. Was there um, a degenerative condition? We don't know. Was this something that he experienced from birth? We don't know. But we know that he couldn't move. He was forced to a life on a mat. On a mat. And they lowered that mat to Jesus. Can you imagine the scene? I just imagine the scene. Imagine that we're in church and this church is full and all of a sudden like somebody's lowering something from the roof and we're like, what's going on? And I'm trying to preach and, and y- y- y'all are like paying attention to that and I'm like ignoring it. Never mind the paralyzed man coming down from the ceiling. <laughs> Listen to my words. Can you imagine? Like here he is and we're all gazing upon like what is going to happen here? What's going to go on? And here is this scene. And Jesus says to the man, this remarkable words, your sins are forgiven. This is phenomenal to me. Because as we look into the depths of this culture and the depths of our own culture, there's really a little difference when it comes to this. We find that our world is full of shame, isn't it? Our world is full of shame. How often do we can put shame on people that are different from us now there's two things there's there's like guilt right there's guilt and there's shame and guilt is sort of this thing i did something wrong everybody knows i know we all know that i did something wrong i asked somebody's forgiveness they forgive me right they forgive i if if you did something wrong to me and you say please forgive me and i forgive you in that moment the guilt is gone right the act has been forgiven so therefore the guilt is erased it can be erased. It is gone. Gone. Guilt, gone. But shame 
is different. Shame does not come from something that you did wrong. And shame is not something that can be released by someone else. Shame comes usually from a group of people or from a social idea where people get together and they have this idea of what's right and what's wrong, who's in and who's out. And shame is not something that can be forgiven, cannot be released from. Shame is something that sticks with you. Remember the Velcro skin. It gets on you and you can't get it off. And so then you begin to consider yourself in light of this shame. You find yourself feeling like you don't belong, like you're not good enough, like you are broken. There you are dirty. You are out an outcast and you deserve what the treatment that you're getting. This is what shame does and our world is full of it, isn't it? Our world is full of shame. And you know who historically has been the greatest portrayer of shame, right? The church. Good job, church. Way to go. Way to live into your mission and make people feel miserable about themselves. Come on. This is awful. But this is what the church has done for a long, long time. Time. Whether it is the scarlet letter, whether it is that thing that you did, you were from a, of a different religion or of different ethnicity, or you, you believe something different about God. What the church would do is say, you are broken, you are wrong, you are dirty, God doesn't love you, you are bound for hell. And there's basically nothing you can do to get rid of that shame. The only thing you could do, as the church has said, is come and be like us. Which we can't be like the church. We're different fundamentally than that. And we can't be that. We've done this with people of, of, of different ethnicities, different skin color, different nationalities, different sexualities. Like this is something that the LGBTQ community has endured terribly in our world. Of of saying there's something wrong with you. In this world in which Jesus would have found himself, this is exactly the same sort of thing that was happening here. And why Jesus addresses the sin, right? The sin before the actual situation. Because the, the religious leaders here felt like if you had some sickness, if you had some degenerative disease, if you had something, like if you were paralyzed or in any way hurt, that this was God's punishment upon your life, that you had done something wrong, and so God was punishing you for that. And so you living in this situation of sickness proved that you were wrong, that something was broken inside of you it was shame put on you by saying you're broken you're wrong you're not enough this is why this is happening to you bad things are happening to you because God doesn't love you God has turned God's back on you you've done something terrible and God is getting back at you and nothing you can do will ever fix that how can you unparalyze yourself so to speak you can't like this has so many layers there was a paralyzed man who was lowered from a roof 
lying on a mat, but yet so many of us in our society are paralyzed by the shame that others put on us, the shame that the church lays on us by saying we're not good enough, that we're broken, that something is is deficient in us. And so often that leaves us, like this man, leaves us paralyzed, unable to move forward, unable to see the reality of ourselves, the reality of others, unable to love ourselves, unable to love others. Because somebody told us we're not good enough. Somebody told us there's something wrong with us. And that brings out this paralyzing fear that we're not lovable, that we're not safe, that we're not wanted, that we're not good. And so many in our world are living paralyzed by this shame, by this hatred laying on their mats and so here this man is lowered down to Jesus and the first thing Jesus says is your sins are forgiven now sin was in a sense like this what did this man do he did nothing wrong right he did nothing wrong But the way that the religious leaders would have understood and then the community would have understood is you have some sin in your life and that's why you're paralyzed. So Jesus went to the root of the shame. He went to the root of the problem, the root of the situation. And he saw it and he said, you are released. You're forgiven. Because the reason that the religious leaders loved this reality is because they were the ones in charge of forgiving people's sins. Because you couldn't just hear if God forgives you, right? I mean, it's not like we have voices and God says, you are forgiven. No, no. the religious leaders were the ones who decided who was forgiven and who was not. They weren't mad because this person was, they thought Jesus was blaspheming. They were mad because Jesus just stole their authority. Just stole their whole reason for existence by saying, you don't have to listen to those folks. You are forgiven given i don't need to hear your story i don't need to hear your confession i don't need to hear any of that here's the reality that i know about you because you're a human god has forgiven you you're released you're released pick up your mat and go home This idea of home is very intimate to a Jewish understanding. And so much of it revolves around this idea of exile. The people of Israel had found themselves so often in a position of exile where they weren't living in the land, their own land anymore, where some occupying force has come in, has captured them, destroyed their land, and sent them to live in a foreign land where it is not their own it is not home one of the most remarkable psalms is psalm 137 and it says this this is this is a song in exile and it says by the rivers of babylon we sat and wept when we remembered zion our homeland there were poplars that we hung on our hung our harps for there our captors asked us for songs Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of your songs of Zion. But How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, 
May my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. And if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. This is a song of lament. This is a song where people who are not living in their homeland, their desperate place, their childhood dreams, all that is gone. Now they're living by somebody else's rules. So this idea of home here to the Jewish people is about going to your homeland where you are safe, where you grew up, where everything makes sense. So many of us, aren't we, are not living at home. So for me, this this idea of home is this space where I feel safe, where I feel wanted, where I feel special. And I don't know about you, but that's hard to find in this world, isn't it? Because I got so much stuff put on me, this need to protect, this need to defend, this need to fight and battle all the time. I've got so many things that say my self-worth is wound up and wrapped up in what I do and what I perform and how I perform and how I act. In many ways, we live in exile from ourselves, don't we? We live in exile from ourselves, which means we are living in exile from God. Because I believe the place that we find God is the place of our truest self. When we can somehow rid ourselves of this shame or have others rid ourselves of this shame that was given. Immediately Jesus knew what these religious leaders were saying. And he says, why are you thinking these things which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, to forgive shame, to forgive societal debt, to forgive whatever anyone else has put on you, whatever guilt, whatever things, whatever exclusion, whatever marginalization, whatever bigotry, whatever hatred that society or the church has put on you, Jesus has the power to release. So I said to the man... I tell you, your sins are forgiven. And now, he said to the man, I tell you, get up, you're free. You're free from this shame. You're free from this self-doubt. You're free from this exclusion. You're free, my friend. You're free. You don't have to live under the weight of this shame anymore that you are broken, that you are not enough, that you did something wrong along the way, and this is the way your life is now. You don't have to live in this shame anymore. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. And then he said to the man, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. You don't have to be in exile anymore. You can go home to that place that you feel safe, where you feel wanted, that you feel embraced. Today, where are you, friends? I believe this story speaks to us still yet. That in our world, we've received much shame from many places, haven't we? That we've been told how often how inadequate we are, of how not good enough we are, of how we did that wrong thing and that led to this punishment upon us. 
That maybe the color of our skin is not quite right. Maybe the neighborhood that we live is not quite right. Maybe the, the people that we love are not quite right. Maybe our gender is not quite right. Maybe the, the, the job that we do, we can't do quite good enough. And so we live in all of this shame of feeling this deep inadequacy. Today, Jesus is saying, I release you. I release you, friends. I'm not saying this. I don't have that power, but Jesus does. Jesus is saying, I release you. You're free. You don't have to live under this weight anymore. You don't have to live under this weight anymore. God doesn't care how good you are at that thing. God doesn't care the color of your skin because God created it all and loves it all. God doesn't care who you love because God is love and all love is beautiful no matter who it's directed from and to. If it is love, it is of God. You're released from whatever the church has put on you. Whatever society lays on you, you don't have to live under that anymore. You are wanted. You are beautiful. You are special. And you are free. Free. So today, may we hear these words of Jesus which say to us, your sins are forgiven. Your shame is wiped out. Pick up your mat and go home. Go home, friends. Go home. You don't have to live in exile anymore. You don't have to be defined by what you're not anymore. You don't have to live in wonder or, or, or speculation that you did something wrong or you are something wrong and so maybe God doesn't love you. You don't have to worry about that anymore because God loves you just as you are. You are the precious child in the womb of God and you are wanted and you are special and you are loved and you are protected. So go home, my friends, out of your exile and into the land where you belong just as you are. Today, Jesus is taking away our shame. Jesus is healing us from our paralyzed state. And Jesus is empowering a whole new life. So then, if we've been forgiven of this if we've been released from this, let us not ever put it on anyone else either because we know how it feels. We know the pain. And so let us reject shame in all of its forms. Let us reject exclusion in all of its forms. Let's reject bigotry in all of their forms and be the people who've been set free that now set others free as well. Today, hear the words of Jesus. Your shame is taken away. Your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat 
and go home. Let's pray together.